Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, Michael, who sent me on this gorgeous little video clip of Cahar on the Bearer Peninsula. Michael says the real West Cork overlooking Black Ball Head on the Wild Atlantic. On, and it was taken about 10 minutes ago when the temperature uh, was reading 21 degrees. Who would want to be anywhere else? You wouldn't want to be anywhere else. We really do have an absolutely stunning, stunning country when the sun is uh, shining. John Paul's taking your calls this morning at 0818 103 103. You can text, you can WhatsApp the programme. Uh, anything you want to share with us to 0862 103 103. And talking of a stunning place, can I talk about a stunning photograph that is on the front page of the Irish Examiner by Dan uh, Lenahan? Dan always seems to nail these photographs. This is a beautiful uh, photograph. It is of a couple from West Cork, Billy and Denise O'Regan. And well, the main focus is on Billy O'Regan, who looks to me like he is dancing through a field of sunflowers. And on the side of the photograph is his wife, Denise, and their neighbour, Deirdre. And this stunning field of sunflowers is at gunpoint in Skull. And according to a story that's contained in the Examiner by Own English this morning, it was local people, between 80 and 100 local people, planted all the sunflowers and now the sunflowers have grown and they are ready for harvesting on on. Uh, they're actually doing something on Sunday you can go along and actually pick some of these flowers and of course as we all know the sunflower has long been the beloved symbol of Ukraine it is their sort of national flower and since the Russian invasion in February the the the, the, the flower has really been a symbol of resistance unity and hope for the Russian people and actually I remember doing an interview earlier on in the year where we were asking people to plant sunflowers just to show solidarity to the people of, of Ukraine so that's where the um, 
this couple, Billy and Denise O'Regan, I'm assuming, got the idea to plant this field of uh, sunflowers. So what's going to happen is they're opening on Sunday for harvesting and then they're going to accept donations and donations are going to the Cork Bus Workers Charity Fund and they deliver aid to Ukraine. We're going to see if we can try and catch up with Billy and our Denise O'Regan to talk about the project because it really is one of those lovely projects but the photograph this morning on the front page of the examiner certainly, certainly made me smile. And from that photograph making me smile to a picture that made me very annoyed yesterday morning and uh, it's making the front page of the Echo this morning and this is the picture of those gorgeous planter boxes on Emmett Place and Princess Street that were vandalised on Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. And the photograph on the front of the Echo is similar to the photograph that somebody, one of our listeners sent in to me yesterday and it just really frustrated and annoyed me. And the Donald O'Keefe is writing in the Echo today of workers in the area, you know, would have been heading to work yesterday morning and coming across these gorgeous planter boxes that no doubt every morning the burst of colour was making them smile as they were heading into work to come along then to see what's a very, very disappointing scene. And as one person on Princess Street said, it's very disappointing that the actions of a tiny few have impacted on people's enjoyment on some of our streets. The Parks team at Cork County Council have now tidied up the mess. The flowers were were too badly damaged so they weren't able to be saved. I was hoping maybe some of them could be saved. So the plan is that they're going to try and replace the floral displays. Now I don't know how long that is going to uh, take but good to read in the echo that the council intends to follow up with a complaint to Ungar the Shea Corner and because of where it is in the city centre surely be to God there's CCT 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 TV footage from some of the businesses and maybe they'll be able to identify whoever vandalised those gorgeous, gorgeous uh, planters and Cork City Council have installed over 70 planters across the city in uh, recent years and one spokesperson said the parks team put in a lot of effort into maintaining the various spring and summer pollinator displays bringing great colour onto our streets throughout the year and then giving much pleasure to people as is evidence from the very favourable feedback that the council get. Obviously people get getting onto the council say well done on those planters they really are gorgeous and then to see that just act of vandalism. Shame, shame, shame. Let's hope whoever did it is brought to task. 0818-103-103. And then yet another photograph to talk about. There's a picture in the Irish Times. They've got a photograph of the wild goat who's been now officially crowned as King Puck. And there is a picture of the wild goat along with the the Sam Maguire Cup. I was looking at the picture first. I thought that the, the, the puck was drinking out of the Sam Maguire, but I don't, I don't think uh, it is. And the little girl who's the, is it the queen of puck? Uh, who's in the, the kind of the traditional photograph that they see every year. But of course, so much attention has gone on this wild goat this year because of the heat wave that we are currently experiencing at the moment. So this photograph that was on the Times was taken before the king puck was winched up onto the raised platform in Kilorglan 
and I'm assuming this morning that that's where the goat uh, remains and will be there all day today and tomorrow isn't it it's a three day festival so it was on yesterday today and uh, tomorrow and in the in the mail today the organisers of the fair have rejected offers to have a statue of the goat in place of the live goat sighting again it is a 400 year old tradition and they are adamant that it's going ahead as planned so the goat was winced up onto the raised platform in Kilorglin yesterday for day one of Puck Fair now it's a sculpture by the name of Patrick O'Reilly stepped forward and he offered to make a sculpture of the goat for the fair and he said look I'll make you this sculpture in the hope that that would stop them them using a wild uh, goat now Patrick O'Reilly who said look there are so many traditions where animals have been used over the years but happily many of those have gone by the wayside he cited things like dog fighting at one stage would have been a tradition in this country cock fighting would have been badger baiting and they're just you know some of the examples of traditions where animals were very cruelly treated but thankfully we've moved on for it and he was hoping that the organisers in Kilorglin would set an example and would stop just this part of the festival and replace it with something else so he stepped forward he's a sculptor and he said look I'll make you a sculpture of the goat and then you can raise it up every single year and keep that tradition going instead. Now, the goat is set to be released, by the way, tomorrow afternoon into the McGiddy at Reeks, which is, of course, the highest mountain range in Ireland. But in the meantime, awaiting its release until tomorrow, it is now being winced up and is on this raised platform, which is, it's about 50 feet above the, the town of Kilorglam. Thank you to Michael in Bantry who sent me out a stunning photograph from Bantry Bay on uh, WhatsApp and you could see there's just some little fluffy cows but they are completely red in colour against the blue sky uh, overlooking the bay and the boats and the reflection in the sea. It's just beautiful. Thank you for that. And then someone else says, Patricia, will you ever stop talking about the weather as if it's a serious danger to people's health? It's summer. It always gets hot. We've had lots of hot summers in the past. We've never been bombarded with news with all of these weather alerts. Just simply enjoy the lovely weather. That's exactly what I'm doing. Um, I think though on the alerts, Aaron, I think it was last year was the first time that they gave us a heat warning. You know, one of these yellow and amber uh, weather uh, alerts. So I don't know if they've changed the way they issue these uh, alerts or there's new rules and guidelines around it or not. I don't know. But they themselves said that it was the first time they issued one of these warnings against heat. But I suppose that they need to warn people because for while for the majority of us, it's lovely to go out and enjoy the heat. For others, it can be a matter, unfortunately, it can be a matter of uh, life and death. And somebody else, PJ, says, Patricia, when this hot, hot weather is gone I won't miss it good riddance to it which I suppose proves that not everybody enjoys the good weather some people do and some people don't on Puck and the wild goat being hoisted over Kilorglin a Kerry listener says I can't understand the logic of putting a defenceless wild animal on a pedestal high up especially in this intense heat and I think that's so much focus has gone on the Puck this year is because of the hot weather. But Anne Interley says, would anyone be worried about the puck when he's up on the top of the mountain in the cold weather periods? It's hot. We also get extreme cold weather and nobody seems to worry about the wild goat in the cold weather. I suppose the argument would be Anne Interley. It's then in its natural environment 
whereas this goat being placed in this steel cage hanging over the streets of Kilorglan is not the natural environment for the goat. That's the reason why there has been so much, uh, so many animal rights groups groups uh, coming out about it. Thank you for your call though to 0818 103 103. Update for people heading to Westlife tomorrow night, Friday night and Saturday night. Somebody had been on saying, could we find out if Bus Aaron are going to be putting on additional buses? Somebody who's going to Westlife and planning on using public transport. And we're all being encouraged to use public transport. So we got on to Bus Aaron and they tell us that... Um, the, 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 they've given us the details of the existing bus and services so there's nothing in the statement to indicate that there are any extra buses. They're talking about the 202 and the 202A which operates from Holly Hill to Mahon Point every 10 minutes. They, that's one bus that certainly will get you to uh, Westlife. It's in, you'll, the, you'll have an eight minute walk to Porky Cueve. Then the Route 212 operates out of Kent Station to Mahon Point every hour. That also will just be a short walk to the concert venue. Now they say due to the volume of people expected to travel to the concerts on tomorrow, Friday and Saturday, Bus Aaron is asking customers to plan their journeys in advance to ensure ease of boarding. Customers are also asked to use leap cards or bring exact fares where possible when using the bus. They're advising customers intending to travel to Porky Cueve for the Westlife concert to plan well in advance. That's from Francis McCarthy, Bus Air and Service Delivery Manager for the South and they're asking asking customers to visit Bus Air and their website throughout the weekend for the latest service updates at busairand.ie. So nothing from that indication there will, will be any extra buses put on. But I do know that we uh, we have been we found out for people who are driving and planning to park up your cars, Paul Street and North Main Street car parks will remain open until 1am in the morning on both Friday and Saturday night. That's to facilitate people getting back from the concert, getting into their cars and driving home. So if you're driving to the concert, Paul Street and North Main Street car parks will remain open until 1am. 0818 103 103. Lines open. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Recently spoke with Una Ring from Yall, who had been the victim of a terrifying stalker ordeal about new laws to cover the crime of stalking. And Una spoke about the effect it has had on her life. Now it seems a number of business owners are turning to the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork after falling victim to stalking at the hands of former clients and customers. The centre's director is Mary Quinney, who joins me this morning to explain more. Good morning to you, Mary. Morning, Patricia. You're very welcome to the programme. Now, I suppose just the background to this, you're offering a dedicated service to help victims of stalking crimes. Just tell me a little bit about that. I think what we did originally when we met Una and Eve, we set up the stalking website and then we had a webinar um, where we had a number of people, you know, speaking about stalking. We're now working with UCC, um, Dr. Catherine O'Sullivan and Kira Staunton are doing a piece of research on the prevalence of stalking. So I suppose I always believe in kind of helping to start something up, but then other people take ownership and do their best, you know, so everybody kind of feels part of it and can make a change. So that's how we got known as stalking, because somebody was saying to me yesterday, why would a businessman contact a rape crisis centre? 
So that's why, because we were quite visible and quite out there and quite asking people for their stories. And I was a bit taken back too because I thought, okay, I knew it wasn't always intimate relationships. You know, it could have been somebody you worked with or somebody you vaguely knew or somebody who kept an eye on you or somebody who was following you where your friends might be saying stupidly, might be saying, if only I was so lucky to have somebody following me like, following me like that. But then all of a sudden we start getting calls from businessmen. I mean, I'm talking about only maybe five or six out of over a hundred who we've who've been in touch with us. But one in particular kind of really touched me because he was working the best he could. He was trying to get through COVID. He was trying to look after his family. He had some kind of disagreement with um, somebody who was providing a service to him, um, a supplier or something, which happens. And very often it might end up in court or there might be some disagreement, but it went far further. And I think this man rang... And the other men who ring are wondering, are they losing it? Is this really stalking? That's how they got in touch with us. So this guy, basically, um, he just got worn down. And I think Una and the rest will kind of say how awful it is when somebody's at you and at you and at you all the time, when you don't know where they are, you don't know if they're watching you, you don't know if they know where your family are, because in this situation, the, the guy was told, we know where your daughter goes to school, you know where your wife goes to the gym. Um, he was just totally... Um, destroyed by it. That's the only word. He was destroyed by it. And I think in the end, the business kind of went underground because he just couldn't cope. And I think it is a situation where, you know, men are often told you have to be the strong ones. You have to kind of cope uh, no matter what. And he just couldn't cope. So he felt very useless. But that is the strength of stalking. But the stalker will just be consistent in what they do and how they destroy you and how they get at you and how you don't know whether they're around the corner or in front of you or where they are. And, and that's why I think the stalking legislation is so important that people like this who do feel and who do know they've been stalked, that finally they're validated and finally they can do something about it. Yeah, it's almost like it takes over a person's every waking moment because they never know is the person around the corner is the person going to suddenly turn up and and just the, what you've described there with that man worried about his his child going to school or his wife going to the gym i mean the mental anguish of that and and even now on social media you know where where somebody can't even just go home and do a few emails to friends or you know look after their kids they're really worried about somebody hacking that so like years ago at least if you had somebody there you could shut your door and you were safe inside but you're not anymore and that's why I think people doubt themselves so much and think I've nothing to grab onto you know two girls would kind of say to me that they're living on their own somewhere in a cul-de-sac and this guy keeps driving up and down every night and stops outside the house but he's nothing substantial to hold on to or they thought he didn't to go to the guards but now we do and it does wear you down it totally wears you down if you can't concentrate you can't sleep you can't eat you know and you're not sleeping you can't work too well and then everything kind of goes downhill from there and that's the power of the stalker so so would you would your advice be to people report report it this is a crime my advice would be to keep track of what happens keep notes of it keep your phone calls keep your texts keep as many photographs as you can and report it to the protective services unit or your local guard station and if you don't get the response you want from your guard station keep at it go to the sergeant or the inspector or the superintendent or to us or to anybody because the guards do want to make a difference and make a change but there could be some guards who mightn't be as strong in believing that stalking is as bad as it is. Are the victims of stalking, am I right in thinking it is mainly women, is it? Are the victims? It's these who mainly women yeah. from, from what we've come across, yeah. And But and it's, it's not... 
Not necessarily. And, it, and it's not necessarily a person who, who you've been in a relationship with. No, no. I think um, a lot of that come up in domestic violence where your ex-partner might be stalking. But, you know, it could be like, say, with, you know, with Eve, she didn't have a relationship with the, the man who was stalking her. Or lots of others haven't had relationships. They might be in work with them. They might know them from school. They might know them from various places. They might be working with them um no, they haven't been in sure, no, I mean, there. No, they have any any clue that this guy has it in them to do this. Yeah wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, I mean, even I've spoken with Una Ring on, on many occasions because, you know, she's been very public in sharing her story. And I mean, hers was just a work colleague who she had been extremely kind to in trying to help him. And of course, that was picked up completely the wrong way. It was. And then I think when she didn't respond the way he decided she should respond in, you know, having a relationship or having more of a friendship with him, he decided I'm going to get you for this. I think that's the way the stalker's minds work. You know, I decide not to I'll decide when it's finished. I'll decide what to do. I'll decide where you go. I'll decide everything. That kind of Shocking. power. Like, and if you look at it, the majority of men don't want this. They want a relationship with someone or they want to get on with their life, but they don't want to do this. But the ones who do it will be very consistent. And that'll take over their life because they'll have decided, you know, what their next step is, how they're going to frighten the person more and what they're going to do. And they'll decide when to stop. So now the, I think the Minister of Justice is kind of basically saying back, no, you won't. We will. So I'm asking everybody to trust their gut, trust their instinct and go in and talk to the guards if, if something's happening. You say a stalker in, is, in, in essence, is a bully. Totally, totally. Yeah. And I mean, they're rarely called out because of the fear attached to it or because people think I don't have enough evidence, there's nothing I can do. I mean, I think even calling somebody to account so you know somebody else is watching them often changes their behaviour. And do you think, can we be very thankful to the likes of Una and uh, Eve for speaking Absolutely. out so honestly? About, and we need to talk about this more. I think, I think they're both phenomenal. And I think then with UCC and, you know, centres like us following through with research and with webinars and with websites really makes a difference. But I think Una and Eve making it so real, making it so human, really telling what it's like from the heart. I think they're both phenomenal. I don't know how Ulla survived what she went through. I think she's an amazing woman. And that's where your service kicks in because of the effect that it can have on the victims. Uh, a lot of those victims need support. And even, you, you know, it's like we are a counselling centre. A lot of the, the stalking victims don't want counselling. They want to know what to do next. And that's basically the service we're offering. A kind of what to do next, put them in touch with different guard units, trying to talk through with them about what they might need for their next step. And just even to ring us, if you're unsure, just ring us, we can talk it through, or if we don't know, we'll get a guard phone you and talk it through. Because you do matter and you shouldn't have to live live like this. It's about time we say to the stalkers, we're taking the power back like, from no, you because no. you've, had, you've had too much of it. Enough is enough. Listen, pleasure yeah, as always exactly. to talk to you, Mary. Thanks Thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Mary Crilly, who is Director of the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. The average amount of tax people are claiming back from revenue has increased to almost €1,900 as the cost of living crisis prompts more people to reclaim money that they are owed back from the taxman. To offer advice on what can be claimed and 
and how you go about doing it. I'm joined by Mairead O'Driscoll, a.k.a. The Tax Nerd. Uh, good morning to you, Mairead. Good morning, Patricia. You're, how you're, are you? I'm very, I'm very good, thank you. And you're very welcome uh, to, to the programme. Does it always surprise you the number of people who do not claim back a relief that they are entitled to? Oh, oh, absolutely. Like completely. There's just so many people that don't do it. Um, and, you know, there's a number of reasons. One reason is they don't know, you know, they don't know they can claim it. And sometimes you might tell a friend and they're like, oh, really? I never knew, which, you know, is fair enough. Or on the other hand, I do have people who don't claim it because they're kind of think, you know, I don't know how to do it or, you know, I'm afraid to get involved with the tax man um, and things like that. But it really is there to be claimed, you know, revenue have created these reliefs so that you claim them, you know, you're entitled to claim them. So, yeah, um, I think every little helps in spreading the word. So thanks for having me on. Oh, that's have, that's, that's our me. pleasure. <laughs> and would, would you agree that it is the cost of living crisis that people are literally starting to watch every single cent yeah. and every single euro? And that's people to say, well, hang on a tick. If I'm entitled to money back here, I'm going after it. Oh, completely. I think, you know, people across the board, across all industries are feeling it, you know, um, with inflation, the cost of living, diesel, everything. So people are like, what can I do? And they are actually looking to be like, okay, you know what, I'm going to get my money back that I'm entitled to. I I found I'm getting like an increase on my tax nerd page, even in messages from people being, you know, how can how do I actually do it and what can I do it on? So, yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely a big driver for people. Okay, medical expenses. I'm assuming that's the most common relief claimed, is it? It is. Yes, that is the kind of the most broadest one as well. There's a lot under that umbrella. So if you're an employee um, or if you're self-employed, you can get tax back on the cost of any medical expenses. So you'll get 20 percent of the cost of the medical medical bill back now it's very broad if you want to have a look on the revenue website even but it covers things you might not even think of like non-routine dental such as braces or invisalign uh, if you had to get a crown it covers things like going to an ot a dietitian a physio as long as they're all registered practitioners you can get 20 percent back and then of course it covers obviously like going to your gp any hospital visits the other thing it covers that people don't seem to be aware of is prescriptions so if you have a monthly prescription or a once-off prescription, whatever it is, if you're paying for it, you get 20% back on the cost. So, you know, that's that's quite substantial, you mm. know. And, and if you haven't claimed before, you can go back the last four years as well and claim for each, each yeah, year. Yeah, that's, so, that's the important one that, you, you know, if, if it's somebody who's waking up and smelling the roses this morning, you can go back four yeah, years. Because exactly. like you mentioned, some of the dental work you mentioned there, like getting a crown, that's an expensive thing yeah. to get done. It really is. And it's usually not something you've planned for, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, you can, you're entitled to 20 percent back on any non-routine dental. So unfortunately, if it's a routine checkup, filling, scaling, you cannot claim tax back on it. But if it is something non-routine like a crown, a root canal, um, if you get braces or Invisalign, which are huge, or if your children do, and you're paying for your children's braces or Invisalign, you get 20% back on that as well. So that can be quite expensive. So that that's a, a that can be a chunky one to get a refund of. Yeah. Um, and so, if you add that to any other medical expenses you have across the year, that can all mount up. 
Oh, it really does. And, and, and you know, you are required to have a receipt. And I know a lot of people like myself, are, I'm guilty of losing the receipts, but you can ring up your local GP, ask for a printout for the last four years or ring your local a pharmacy or chemist, ask for a printout for the last four years. They'll have it all. And you'd be surprised how much is there that you might have, mightn't have even thought of. You might have forgot about the course of antibiotics at, in last winter or whatever the case may be. So, no, it really does add up. And I mean, we pay a lot of tax in this country. You know, if you're earning in the higher bracket over 36,800, the government's getting over half of that. So 52%. So don't be afraid to go and get, you know, what you're entitled back. to. Yeah, you. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> really are. Now, a, a lot of people have worked, are indeed are continuing to work from at home. There's relief there, isn't yeah. there, from working from home? Yes, there is working from home relief. And this year, 2022, revenue actually increased um, the benefit of that relief. So essentially, if you are an employee and if now this is so there's two options. If your employer pays you 320 a day towards working from home, then you can't claim um, this relief. But they can pay you 320 a day tax free. If they don't, you can claim working from home relief for the year. So the amount you get is 30% of the total cost of your broadband for the year and 30% of your light and heat bill for the year. And then that's apportioned by the number of days you work from home. Okay, and the light and heat bills have certainly gone up in, yeah. oh, <laughs> in, for sure. in, in the last in the last year. So that's one uh, certainly that people yeah. need to uh, uh, consider. What else can people typically claim tax yeah. back on? It's, another big one would be flat rate expenses. So these are um, tax back that revenue, a tax refund that revenue give to certain professions. So there's a list of over 200 professions that are entitled to this relief. The, what you work in depends on the amount of relief you get, but it is um, on the revenue website. It tells you how much you get and you just tick a box and you're entitled to it. You don't need um, receipts or anything. And it is so broad. It is teachers, doctors, nurses, engineers, dietitian, if you work in construction, if you work in hospitality, if you're bar staff, retail, uh, healthcare, healthcare assistance, it's really, really broad. And it's a tax relief that revenue have set a set amount, say, for your profession. So say a doctor will get X amount. So when you log on to ROS, there is one section where you claim all the tax credits. So it's all in the same place. Your medical, you're working from home and your flat rate expenses, you'll just tick nurse or doctor or teacher and whichever one and then it will give you the relief that will apply and like that it's that's the easiest one to claim because you don't even need a receipt and you can go back and claim that for the last four years as well if you haven't claimed it before so that's that's a very popular one and again a lot of people don't know about it so if you are one of those that I called out or go on, there's a list of over 200 professions. Go and check it out. Go, okay, yeah, so somebody, somebody's asking about tuition and college uh, fees. We have an expensive year coming up, uh, says this listener, with the kids going back to school. But we also have our first heading off to third level education. Is there anything we can claim back? Yes, there is. So you get tax back on tuition fees. So it's 20% of the qualifying cost. Now, the qualifying cost, so you can only claim a max of 7,000 per year for the course per student. And the first 3,000 of that is disregarded. So 
so seven minus three, so 4,000 is the amount you can claim on. So 20% of the 4,000 is what you'd get back, which is about 400 euro, which isn't bad. Mm-hmm. And it, you, you'd get that for each student that you have in college. Now I know she only has one, he or she, sorry. Um, so yes, you get 20% back um, of a qualifying course, third level education. Okay, and then a, a parent gifting money for a deposit on a house has become more and more popular if parents are in the lucky yeah. situation that they have the few extra bob uh, because adult uh, children yeah. need that help to get onto the property uh, ladder. What are the tax implications around that? Okay, so um, if so, in Ireland, if you get a gift or inheritance, that's taxed at thirty three percent from anyone. There is a certain amount that you can get tax free, depending on what the relative is to you. So so a child can receive 335,000 from their parents tax free in their lifetime. Now, that's both parents. So it's 335 total, Um, which depending, you know, isn't actually a lot. You know, if you are an only child and you inherit a house, you'd very quickly, you Mm. know, kick into that 335. So if you give a deposit to your child, let's say um, towards, I don't know, let's say you give them 20 grand, that 20 grand would be tax free, but it would reduce that 335 ah. down. You only have 315 left then. Okay. Um, so what you can do though, there's this other um, relief there that's called the tax free gift exemption. So every year you can receive three grand tax free from a person. So that includes your parents without eating into the threshold so every year your parents could give you three grand both parents so it'll be six grand tax-free without eating into that 335k so maybe if you knew in advance in a couple of years you know i'm going to help out with the wedding or or my child's deposit you could start giving them the money now yeah yeah exactly just to just to not eat into their threshold if possible um because as i said it can depending on the circumstances be washed out very quickly if if there's a house being left to you or something like that Okay, and with any of those reliefs that we've discussed uh, this morning, how easy Mm. or how difficult is the process of putting the claim into revenue? It is very straightforward. The ROS website is very um, easy to use at the moment. You need to set up your account on ROS if you haven't already. You just log in, you click all the information is there before you needed to get your P60s and all that. None of that is happening anymore. All the information is in there. You just need to log in. You need to click on the year you're claiming for, go to section for tax credits, type in the amount of their medical for the year, type in the amount of your working from home and submit. And the refund, if you're owed it, will go into your account within less than two weeks. They're very efficient. Aren't we? we always know that about yeah. revenue. They are very efficient. <laughs> and then do you submit the receipts or do you have to hang on to the receipts at home? You have to hang on to the So if you have them, upload them. You don't have to. Um, from 2021 onwards, you do. For, but if you're claiming for 18, 19, 20, you just need to have them on your person. Upload them if you have them. But if not, you just need to hang on to them if revenue ever came looking. And they've six years. You have to hang on to them for six years to... Okay. Come knocking. And do you always have to contact revenue yourself or will they ever write to you to say claim? To claim tax? Yeah. Never. <laughs> never, never, never. <laughs> Nobody's surprised there. Okay. Well I suppose no, they no, don't no, yeah. well I suppose the, the argument would be they, they're not going to know. They're not going to know if I've had a crown or I had a brace done or I needed to go for physio so that they can't possibly contact me to say yeah. you need to claim totally. medical expenses. 
And, and I think as employees, we're not required to file an income tax return, which is what I'm talking about in Ross now, where you're claiming tax back. But even if you don't have anything to claim, it's worth just doing your tax return for the last four years because you'd never know. You could be you could have overpaid tax for a number of reasons. Mm. You could have been an emergency taxed. Maybe you only worked for part of the year. You know, maybe you are a new student, new graduate, only started working after college in October. You know, you could be due tax back anyway. So it's good to just get into the habit of just logging on, doing your tax return every year, pocketing in whatever expense you have for the year and um, because you, you'd be surprised you know they do add up and you wouldn't know what, what else could be in there could be in for a nice happy surprise listen Mairead a pleasure Absolutely. to speak to you <laughs> and people can check you out on uh, Instagram under uh, the tax nerd where you have loads and loads of uh, information uh, it's, a, yes. it's, a, it's a really good account listen thank you for that Mairead and enjoy the fine weather no and uh, thank, thanks, so thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye, Mairead O'Driscoll, the tax nerd. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. The Premier League returning this weekend, uh, which means this Saturday, Premier League Live is back here on C103.ie with Trevor Welch, powered by Talk Sport. We're bringing you live coverage of Aston Villa versus Everton. That's at 12.30. Arsenal versus Leicester. That's at three. And then Bradford are taking on Manchester United. That's at 5.30. The Premier League Live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You can listen Saturdays on C103 app or by going to C103. Some of your calls and texts coming into the programme. We were talking about stalking in the last hour and in particular the service that's been offered by uh, Mary Crilly at the Cork Sexual Violence uh, Centre. That's prompted uh, a listener to say, I was stalked by another man. It went on for almost 10 years. Now it's stopped now, thankfully. He was going around telling everyone he was a cousin of mine, which obviously he uh, wasn't. And it can be extremely frightening as well if it keeps on and on and on and you can just get inside somebody's mind where I think Mary described it really well when she spoke about that businessman who's who ended up closing down his business because the stalking got so bad by a former client customer who just wasn't happy with the service that they got and it's just it's really difficult and really really tricky and it's good to know that now it is a standalone criminal offence and that's got a lot to do with Una Ring from y'all who has often spoken with us on the programme so good to know that your stalking has finished but shocking to think that you had to go through that for the last 10 years or, or more 0818103103 Tim says this is back to the puck down in Puck Fair, the goat. Uh, just about that innocent Puck goat, I feel it's a barbaric act. Uh, no less, there's no compassion. They they who seem to be okay with it, I would suggest that they're put up in a steel cage and see how they would feel about it, says Tim. But then Dan is taking, thanks Tim, Dan is taking, I'm assuming a slightly different angle, saying Patricia Hyde happened to be driving through Kilorglan on Tuesday when all the debate was raging about the hanging up of the Puck goat over the streets of Kilorglam. The platform seems very well constructed, not too high, reasonably sheltered by surrounding buildings and definitely not hanging from anything. Uh, for, your own, uh, for your own information, I suggest that you ask somebody to send you a photograph. I actually have seen a photograph and I saw, it was on the news last night, they, they showed it uh, as well. It's still, I still go back to the fact, Dan, and I think it's what a lot of other people are upset about, is the fact that it is a wild animal. I don't think anyone would like to be 50 feet mightn't seem that high but it's still 50 feet above the ground but if you're a wild animal and you're penned inside in the steel cage and then add to it 
the heat that we're having at the moment. I think that's why so many people are talking about it uh, this year. But I have seen a photograph of it. So, yeah, I know exactly uh, what it is. But uh, thank you for your text. And I'm, I'm assuming from the tone of your text that you see nothing wrong and that it is, at the end of the day, a 400-year-old tradition. And that's one of the reasons that the organisers are sticking with it because they keep saying this is a 400-year tradition and we are not breaking uh, with that tradition. 0818 there is lots and lots of talk uh, about next month's budget and obviously it's getting a lot of newspaper coverage uh, today. I mean, obviously all of the various government departments are preparing to sign off on what's going to be in the budget. And the budget, of course, is earlier this year because we know that it is in some way, hopefully, going to tackle the cost of the rising cost of uh, living. But I read in some of the papers today that there are fears that the new laws which were introduced to ban the sale of cheap alcohol could ultimately reduce the tax returns to the exchequer because people are going north to buy beers, spirits and wine. Why? Because they're cheaper up north. The government has been warned that the introduction earlier this year of the minimum unit pricing on alcohol will ultimately lead to less less tax coming in and it's due to people shopping in Northern Ireland. Now, it's a Department of Finance tax strategy group and they have produced a paper on excise duty. Now, they still are saying it's too early to gauge the impact of the introduction of minimum unit pricing or to actually put down in print exactly how much less has gone in to uh, revenue through excise duty because of uh, people heading north instead. But this paper is warning that already it is clear that its introduction has resulted in price differentials on alcohol products across the border which might lead to an increase in cross-border trade, uh, undermining then the tax take from alcohol sales. The warning was made among a range of other options, obviously on tax and welfare for ministers to consider as they prepare for next month's uh, budget. But I don't in any way think that they're talking about that they would do something to reverse the decision to bring in minimum unit pricing. But I suppose the big one is on the excise duty and what we pay on excise duty on our drink. And the excise, this paper uh, uh, says that the Drinks Industry Group Ireland and the National Off-Licence Association, they've all called in their pre-budget submission for a 7.5% reduction in alcohol exercise in next month's budget and then they want the same amount, the similar reduction to be introduced the following year, uh, 2024. It considers that this will help the drinks and hospitality sector to rebuild commercial activity in all areas of the country and try to recover some of the employment. The document also notes that Ireland has the highest level of excise duty on wine in the EU. I didn't realise, I knew we were high, but I didn't realise we were, were the highest on wine and we're the second highest on beers and spirits. And actually Michael O'Donovan of the Vintners Federation uh, when we were talking with him earlier on in the week he actually spoke we we were talking about the number of pubs that have closed down and one of the things that the the Vintners Federation cited was the high excise uh, duty and they cited that as one of the reasons why some bars have decided to close down and of course we've lost huge number of pubs here in Cork we were one of the highest counties on the number of pub closures over the last 16 years and the straw that broke the camel's back obviously was COVID and all of the pubs been forced to close for periods of time uh, during lockdown but many of those the pubs particularly the ones in the rural areas are really really struggling to get the business back on track to 
anything like that it was before COVID and actually one of our listeners when we discussed that during the week even pointed out that before COVID even happened that many of those small rural pubs were already struggling and as I say the Vintners Federation certainly were citing excise uh, duty so if there was a reduction in excise duty would it encourage more people to go to the bars but it certainly would reduce the cost of alcohol in this country so that's one of the things that has been spoken about also been spoken about in the document because it was on the the options being given to the government around tax and uh, welfare. Obviously, all of these recommenda- recommendations go forward to the Finance Minister, Pascal uh, Donoghue, for his consideration. And then obviously, they he decides, his department decide and the other... The, the government then decide which they're going to include and which they're not going to include. But in the document on the social protection budget part of the paper, they, they, they outline various options for increasing rates on all social welfare payments, things like people who are on the state pension, people who are on job seekers benefit, people who are widow's pension, disability pay, payments. And they're suggesting that the increase could be as high as €15. I mean, I think a lot of certainly pensioners and people living on social welfare got got used to a fiver, an extra fiver a week would be announced in the budget. There had been calls for maybe raising it to €10 with the cost of living. But here is a paper coming out and and it is a Department of Finance tax strategy group saying that the government maybe should be considering giving social welfare recipients an extra €15 a week in next month's budget. And they break it down, obviously, into what that would all mean. If if a €15 increase was given on the working age payment for for most social welfare payments, it would mean the weekly rate would increase to €223. I think it's at €209 at the moment. So it'll go up to 200 and or is it Sorry, if it's 15 it's 208 It'll go up to 223 Euro. But somebody who's on a contributory state pension, the contributory old age pension, their weekly rate would increase to €268.30. If it was a €15 increase in all rates, and obviously there would be proportionate increase then for qualified adults and qualified uh, children and those who would be on a reduced rate of payment, it would cost the state €1.1 billion. And we do know that the Exchequer has extra money that it can allocate. There's also talks in this document a €6.50 a week increase in the living alone allowance. That's another one that's also been uh, considered. So they're just some of the things that are on the table at the moment for the government to consider as they're, they're putting together their budget. Obviously, there's still lots of talk for the squeezed middle and on taxation and up to one million taxpayers could benefit anything up to a thousand euro a year if the 30 cent tax band was introduced by the government. But a lot of the papers are pointing out today that that wouldn't be equal for all. The authors of the report have warned the government that the introduction of an immediate rate of income tax between the standard rate of 20% and then the higher rate of 40%, this 30% one that Leo Varadkar has been speaking about for quite some time, it would benefit those on lower incomes disproportionately. And I wonder, is this going, this is really, I think, is going to make the decision on whether they 
they'll go with this or not. Middle and high income earners, they would actually gain the most, but it would be the low and the modest income earners who would not directly benefit from this proposal. That's if it was introduced in isolation with any other additional compensation measures put in. So I wonder, will they do that? Because uh, Leo Varadkar has says that the government, you know, is looking to implement what he calls a substantial tax package and he wants more people to keep more of their hard earned cash. He says, we are aiming for this substantial decrease in the amount of income tax, the USC, that workers, uh, almost all workers are, are paying. And he said, we want to make work pay better. And by reducing the amount of income tax people have to pay, that means more money in people's pockets. And he said that's one of the ways that they can help with the cost of living. But if it's going to be disproportionately more aimed at middle and high income earners, surely that's going to be very unfair on low and modest income uh, earners. So it'll be people, I think it's below 38,600, which isn't a huge sum of money. They wouldn't be gaining anything by this because they're not in the 40% tax uh, bracket. So a lot, certainly a lot for the government to digest before they put the final touches to the budget next month. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. C103 Jobs. Paradon House Nursing Home, they're looking to recruit full and part-time chefs. You need to email your CV to chris at araglinhouse.ie. Casey's Furniture in Cork, they're looking to hire a sales consultant. CVs please to bernie.hennessy at caseys.ie. Childcare assistant is required to work in Carrig Navarre. If to QQI level 5, that's essential. Please apply via email to tracy38murphy at yahoo.co.uk. And a multi-drop delivery driver is wanted to work in Butterland. Contact John 87 257 You can find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. I'm always disappointed when I hear about the closure of an independent shop or business because many of them have been the backbone of local communities. So really saddened to hear that Noonan Brothers in Charleville are to close their toy shop business at the end of this summer. And joining me to outline why is uh, John Noonan. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, to Patricia. Now, a blast from the past. Uh, absolutely. And I've had the pleasure of shopping in your toy shop over the years, as indeed of many people from North Cork. It's not just the good people of Charleville. Was this a very difficult decision to close down the toy shop element of your business? It, it was difficult. Um, my four lovely children and they've all got their own careers and they want to carry on their careers. <clears throat> and we had a couple of head scares last year and we said, look, nobody carrying on. <clears throat> I think we've done our last Christmas. So there's no one within the family? Nobody ca- within the family. Yeah, to, uh, to, 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 to carry it carry it on. So you're, you're closing the toy shop bit, but you're not leaving business completely. The shop will remain open. Yeah, we will be down in the car shop at the front and we'll carry on key cutting down there and a few sports items, grips and that kind of stuff in the front shop, in the car shop at the front. <clears throat> and But the toys will cease to be up here. 
unless somebody decides that they want to come and open up a toy shop if they do. Because you're the only toy shop in town? Exactly. Are you fearful, John, that a lot of other similar shops will go down the same route in rural Ireland? Well, I, in one way, yes, but you see, we're a family business and the family has been in business since 1896. I started off in the front shop with my grandparents and then my parents and then we were away, Jimmy and I. He was a radio officer, Marconi, and I was an air traffic controller and in between blips we opened up the store here. We built block by block. The toy shop was in the front was getting too small for what they were trying to do. Every room in the house, bar the sitting room and a bathroom, there was Christmas club in it for people. So they said, look, we'll build a store up the back. And that's how it started in 1975. This time in 1975, we were laying blocks up here, Jimmy and I. Wow, wow. And, and you built up a fine business uh, since. And uh, can you understand why none of your children want to get involved? I can. They all went off and got their third level degrees and they have their careers and they're happy. And it's very hard when people have travelled quite extensively and got their roots in other places and saw that and they're happy to make the decision that they're making like they could have said okay we'll come back and we'll and we'll take it over but then take it over and if it went very very well for them it's one thing but then if things got worse as things are at the moment with um, Ukraine and everything else like that and they said, look, I'm after giving up my career to come back and I mightn't be able to resurrect the same again in a few years' time. So, OK, we'll be heartbroken that it's gone, but you have to make a decision and um, that's what we did. Mm. Because, as you mentioned, you were air traffic controlled. Your brother was was radio with Marconi. So yeah. you went away, got your careers, and then do you remember making the decision to come back? It just, I hadn't made any decisions to come back. I came back and we started building the store. I was in the process of going out to the Sultan of Oman doing air traffic. But I got back in playing rugby here with the boys again and playing squash and holding a football and that. And everything was fine. Home cooking and we were having a good family life here. And it just stemmed from there. So My father said, yeah. he said to us, I said at the accountant one day, he said, OK, boys, do you want to take over the shop above now or will we just pull the door on it? And we looked at each other and I said, well, look, can we do it for 12 months? And he said, no, you can't do it for 12 months. You're either taking it over or you're not. I'm not going to be paying for any of your mistakes if you make mistakes. Like if we went off and got a lot of stock and it didn't go and just flew away it would have been embarrassing for us and it would be very embarrassing for him saying oh I set him up now and they're there and they went off and left me mm. he was right I, I, I do think he was oh, right he was right so oh, he, he, right. he faced the same dilemma that you're facing except with a different outcome with a different outcome yeah we were there to to do it um, 
none of mine, and I wouldn't hold it against them whatsoever. I'm delighted that they've all got on so well, and they were an integral part of the shop here. When they were growing up, they were in here helping us, and when they were at college, they came home on weekends, and they got remunerated for it. If they didn't come home, they didn't get remunerated for it. Because if, if they come home, they have work. If they don't, I've got to get somebody else to come in and do it and pay them. So you're not going to pay twice. It's the same with all family-run businesses, isn't, isn't it? And, you, and you, you just, you wonder with, uh, you know, young people today, thankfully getting so well-educated and people wanting to travel. You know, I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of people facing the very same decision that you've had to face, that there isn't a son or daughter I mean, it's happening within the farming community. We've got farm families with no one to take take over the work. Oh no! But it, that's the way it is in in rural places, and people start to say, "Oh, it's a shame to see you going and everything else like that." But like, if everybody left all their money as much as possible in the areas that they're in, things would be more buoyant. You know, it's um, same old thing. You don't miss the well until the water runs dry. But like we've been make, we've been making a living, we're still we would still be making a living if we carried on. But um, when you get a couple of shocks in a year, you sort of say, "Look, fine, I'm been monitored every three months, and that's it." But you, life is to go on. I can now decide to go away on a a Monday or a Wednesday. And look, okay, I go off to to see one of the gang or. And that's it, whereas in the shop you've got to get somebody in or else just putting extra work on the one person that's there. If Jimmy goes away for a few days, I'm there on my own and if things get busy or something untoward happening, you're there on your own. You've you've loved the toy business, though. Oh, I've loved it. Yeah. Like, I've loved the toys and, and the sports business and, and this, and I love meeting people. Like, we've had some fantastic people in, customers from, from North Cox, South Limerick, East Limerick, West Limerick, all, and they're coming, and um, we got some fantastic thank yous between emails and between um, letters and cards and everything else like that. And people give it one more Christmas, and I said, "Well, no." It's a stressful. I, I, I mean, it's, it's it's a busy time, obviously, for toy shops, but I imagine it's a stressful time. Oh, it is because everybody's looking for the latest thing. It's in short supply. Yeah, you have it ordered. You don't know where it's going to come in. You might order a couple of dozen, and only six might come in. And who are you going to give them to? Whatever it is, and then we'll some people will have have exhausted every place and come in to you at the last minute. Can you get it? And it's not a case of just ordering in one item for somebody. You've got to. And now with Brexit, you've got to give an order of at least a thousand pounds sterling. Yeah, yeah, and yes, and you saved Christmas for a lot of people, including I can say for a godchild of mine and a, a Teddy Toby. Do you remember those Teddy Tobies? I do. Oh God. Yes, <laughs> and indeed. it was and was Gay Byrne was to blame because he came on the toy show with them and uh, one for everybody in the audience and then you yeah. couldn't get them for love nor money and John Noonan of Noonan Brothers in Charleville came to the re- and I can still remember the day on Christmas week driving to Charleville to pick up my, te- my telly tubby for my godchild and who, was, who still speaks about the Christmas and how they woke up to a telly tubby when they had been told there might not be any telly tubby arriving but there was and there's a lot of families I think will identify like that but the one thing John that always saddens me when I see a small 
you know, a business closed down in a rural town. Communities suffer because it's the independent shop owners are the ones who hand out the sponsorship when the local GAA club or some other charity is looking for a raffle and do you have a spot prize? Can you give us any sponsorship? That's going to go. Oh, it's going to go. And the thing that I feel about it is that Okay, we had four children, they were involved in all the sport in town. But that's like, they are not going to be playing. Like, there's none of my children going to be playing, or my grandchildren playing with Charles, which I'd love to have. But that's that's life. It's the same in Mallow, it's the same in all towns. Mm. And it's, a, it's kind of a nightmare. And then, okay, you've got the dreaded internet, but people are getting a little peed off the internet as well. But that's the life cycle of. That. Yeah, I, d- I saw a report actually out only yesterday I think it came out from from AIB showing a decline in online sales because there's nothing like going into a shop and physically having something in your hand and looking at it and is this exactly what I want? Oh yeah, you have to see it and feel it. You, you order something online, you don't know mm. and you don't know what size you have. You could go and order sizes for a lady whatever it is but you might be a 12 or a 14 depending on where it was made yeah yeah and you've, you've had your family have had a remarkable history I was reading a piece it was back in May I think in the Corkman when you made the decision that, that you were going to close up it's been remarkable how your family have been in business since 1896 hard work and graft That's the only way you you could say it. All worked and worked and that was it. All the families, all our family, all worked here. At home I'd bring home boxes and boxes of, of football boots and shoes and that. We'd lace them up here so that it would make it easier in the shop and somebody wanted to come to try on something that you wouldn't have to be lacing it up. Mm. And uh, they could lace shoes with their eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, By watching that's, the television. Yeah, that's a small thing you wouldn't even think of, but yeah. 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 They hated they hated the the beginning of um spring, summer and autumn winter because that's when they start <laughs> came. at the time you only had um two seasons, you was uh, spring, summer and then you had autumn winter. But no, they have about ten seasons like you know. <laughs> but and uh, they would do it and say, the box would say, Oh god. I say, yeah, okay, that's to be done, get your homework done. Here we go, start, start lacing up those shoes and, uh, shoes and boots. So yeah. when will be the last day of the toy shop? Saturday week. Saturday week, okay. You're, okay, nearly the end of all. Are you having a sale? Are you doing a... Well, there's 10% off yes, at the moment. Okay. And in the, um, everything, is, everything is priced sale and... There's 50% off all the sports and the football boots, shoes and T-shirts and polo shirts. And okay. You'll be really yeah, missed. You will be re- they, you'll be really, really missed uh, come Christmas uh, for sure. But in the meantime, as you say, you are staying out of the front, which is where the original store would have been on your grandparents, isn't it? Yeah, uh, my grandparents, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, and, and that's what it is. And I want to thank all customers over the last 47 years I once went to Patricia when we were doing the toy show <laughs> going back I'm afraid to say how long ago but it was about 30 years anyhow and um, 
I hope I'm not too far out there. No, no, you're not. You're not. Don't be upsetting you. No, no, you're not. We used to do a toy show here on the radio, if you can yeah, imagine yeah. it, with yeah. the noisiest toys that John Noonan could bring with him, he brought with him. Yeah, but that's what you want. That was all like the fun. That was all the fun. Being so I want to thank all our customers and uh, the staff that we've had and everything else. And we're gone off the toys, but we'll be down selling cars and cutting and uh, sweets and that. Okay, well we wish you luck uh, with that and uh, enjoy taking it easy as well because I know uh, you're, you're certainly yourself and your brother, you're both very uh, extremely hard working. Listen John, always a pleasure to chat. We'll talk again in the meantime. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Okay, Trish, thanks. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is John Noonan of Noonan Brothers in Charleville. Saturday week the Noonan Brothers toy shop will be no more. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. On time for this week's uh, Guard the Fund, I'd like to say joining me in uh, studio is uh, Sergeant Tony Cronin, based out of Ma- Mallow Guard the Station. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning. And you're welcome. Okay, we're going to start with um, some burglaries that you want to report in uh, the Donnerale and in Middleton. Yes, uh, Patricia, we'll start with Donnerill and it was last Wednesday, uh, sometime during the night last Wednesday, out in the Catterduggan South area of Donnerill. And what happened here is it was um, uh, a farming area and uh, property was entered and there was items taken, uh, like two black reins um, for horses, um, mineral feed and mineral salts, um, assortment of grooming uh, utensils um, different items like this okay. all specific to treatment uh, of animals and their grooming and their care and feed now when you put all this together it amounts to quite a substantial amount of money and uh, obviously uh, people in the horsey business will probably be offered this or you might have a pony or you might have a mare and a couple of foals at home and someone is passing by and they say, oh, would you like to buy Knockdown price. Whatever, we have yeah. a few bridles here or we have to feed, whatever it is, look, I don't eat it, uh, I'll sell it to you, whatever. So we were just like, if anybody does get um, offered any items like this, uh, you might contact your local guardie and if you could, a description of the person and the, the vehicle that they're um, driving in, whether it's a van, if you can get the rage, if possible, that'd be great. Okay, that was Donnerill. Then to Yall. Donnerill. So then in Yall, we had, um, it was um, a break in, it was in the um, Cork Hill area of Yall, which um, if you drive down the main street of Yall, the one way system heading from Cork towards, um, I would say, Wexford, it's on your left hand side, Cork Hill. It's a very big steep hill, and there was a premises there on Cork Hill, which was entered. Last Sunday, between the hours of midnight, was Saturday night into Sunday, and 3pm. Now, most likely this property was entered from the rear of the premises. And we're uh, especially appealing to pedestrians, taxi drivers in this area. Because if you're familiar with y'all, you will know that a lot of people use taxis and minibuses because the, the, um, the hill is so steep. Mm. And uh, it's their mode of transport. Uh, to get, we'll say, if, I'm, if they're out for a pint or they're out for a meal or going to the chipper, whatever, and they're heading home, there's a lot of uh, housing uh, in the Corkill area. So you may have turned the corner, you may have seen something suspicious, uh, someone hanging around. Again, we're talking about from midnight last Saturday night into Sunday, 
uh, in the early hours of the morning there was a break-in at this uh, business premises on Cork Hill and the guardian y'all would be delighted to get a call from you. Okay, and the final one then is in Middleton. Yes, Patricia, this now goes back to last Tuesday and this appears an opportunist, opportunist crime. It happened in the Elm Grove area. It's a housing estate in uh, Mill Road in Middleton and it happened at um, uh, between 4 and 5 p.m. There was a very short time frame here in this and again, the daylight it was very good. Middle of the afternoon. Uh, middle really? of the yeah. afternoon and um, uh, entry was gained uh, possibly uh, through the front of, of the house. So okay. again, we're looking for anyone who you may have been passing by and you would know who's living in a certain area, whatever it is, you might have seen uh, someone walking uh, and maybe observing or checking doors. Uh, the guardian in Middleton would be delighted to get a call. Again, we're talking about the Elm Grove area of Middleton. It's in Mill Road and we're talking about between 4 and 5 p.m. last on, Tuesday. On Tuesday afternoon. And that is kind of a timely reminder as well with those uh, three separate uh, break-ins. Gorgeous fine weather. We're all really enjoying it. And of course, what we're all doing is doors and windows have been left wide open. You have to be careful when you're leaving your house. Yes, uh, especially um, in this weather, what we notice is downstairs bedroom windows are open, front doors are open, upstairs windows, attic windows are open. And at times people may say, oh, I'll just pop down to the shop if they're living a mile or two out the country, whatever it is. You're giving the opportunists um, a chance to come in and burgle your house. So we just uh, like to warn people, uh, it's lovely weather and it's nice to be out and relaxing, but just to mind your security of your property, be it your car or your house, uh, your garage, etc., just take the, the necessary steps when you're leaving the house to make sure it's secure. Yeah, and the same with your car, because I don't know how many times on this uh, Garda file over the years uh, we've heard of cars being broken into and they weren't actually locked. Somebody just literally opened the door and took items out. Yes, so it's a real opportunist, uh, be it your car, your front door. Um, some people leave the front door of the house open and the keys are in the hall stand, you know, so... And yeah, and as you say, a lot notice. of it is opportunistic. Somebody just passing and, and, and I'll try uh, this. So please be careful. We want everyone to enjoy the weather, but you don't want to get any of your items stolen. Same if you're heading to the beach, waterways, nothing of value left in your car. Now, listen, I'm thrilled that you're joining us uh, in studio today, Tony, because tomorrow, the 12th of August 2022, is quite a special day for you. You're retiring. Yes. Yeah, um, your, your, your time is up. Uh, my time is up. Um, so I'd just like to say thanks very much to our listeners. It gives me an opportunity to thank them for all their help to the guards in Cork North and the other uh, out, uh, other areas uh, for all the assistance uh, that they've given us. It's a great facility here to be here with County Sound and to talk about um, the incidents that have occurred and the advice that we can pass to to public and I just again like to say that you've been uh, so kind and helpful to us and thanks very much. Well you've, all, you've always been great at it as well as indeed have all of the, the different guards and sergeants who've joined us uh, over the years. What will you miss most about retiring? Um, I'll miss the friendship with colleagues and we'll say every day is different you never know what you're going to or what you're going to do unless maybe an odd day might be planned out um, you, you don't know what's around the corner and there's always someone there to help you and yeah. we have got great assistance um, with our local services be it the fire brigade the river rescue the first aiders um, people like that first yeah. responders ambulance personnel they've been fantastic to us we've had a lot of incidents over the last 10-15 years 
Um, we've had our share of tragedies and these people have been exceptional and they have made it very much easier for us to deal with and for families in events. So are the, are the tragedies the hardest, one of the hardest parts of the job? Yes, because we'll say they affect so many people and, yeah. you know, you have to feel it yourself and feel for the families that are involved. Um, no one would let, uh, wishes that on anyone and it's the suddenness of the way things happen and you know, how to cope with them. Yeah. No have one you, is really have, trained for that. Have you had to do that knocking on somebody's door to break that news over the years? Well, I would say every guard in the country has yeah. done it over the years. And um, it's it's uh, one of the least uh, things that you would um, like to do in the job. Yeah. Um, uh, you'd want a certain type of strength maybe at times to do it. Some people are very strong in the way they deal with things. And, you know, the emotion gets them later. Sometimes it, it affects people in a different way that suddenly the, the shock... Uh, can kick in. Um, it's just that we've been fortunate. We've had great um, people working with us, and it's nice to have that support. A- acknowledge those people. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Because yeah. they do lessen the load for the guards. Where did the, Where did you start out your career? What was your first? Where Where did, Where did you go first? Where were you stationed I, first? I went to the uh, Anglesey Street in Cork, and then I went over to its sister station, the the Bridewell. And I left there in 94, and I went to Charleville for five years. Oh, you were Charleville as well? And yeah, okay. I went to Fermoyden for two then down to Yall and back to Mallow in 2003. Okay, so you've always been based in Cork? Yes. And are you originally a Cork man? I am, yes. Oh, are you? Okay, all right. Okay, so you've, you've been in Mallow since 2003. Three. You went, and you ended up in the traffic corps, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. For the did. last uh, 15, 16 years. Yeah, and you've enjoyed that? Very much so, very okay. much so, yeah. Is there going to be a party? Um, we'll have um, <laughs> a few little scoops. <laughs> well, enjoy. And as I say, enjoy every moment of your, of your retirement. And even though I know you're not we're retiring, retiring, as in you're not going to head out to the big way. You're way too young to be fully retired. Uh, so uh, whatever future career path you take, uh, we wish you well with it, uh, Tony. But thank you. It's always been a pleasure to be with you here in the programme. Uh, good morning. That is uh, Sergeant Tony Cronin from Mallow Guard, the station officially retiring tomorrow. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And I want to wish the very best of luck to author and historian Bill Power of Mitchellstown. He is launching his new book tomorrow night um, um, called Doomed Inheritance. And it's a book that will mark the centenary and the looting and burning of Mitchellstown Castle. And I know Bill has put so much work into this book and I really am looking forward in the coming weeks to interviewing and chatting to Bill about the book. But tomorrow there is an official launch of the book and also... Also, there is a heritage uh, history conference, Doomed Inheritance History Conference, which is also going on tomorrow night, which will mark the 100 years of the looting and burning of Mitchellstown Castle with the guest speaker, Patrick Bergen. It'll be held in the wonderful St. George's Arts and Heritage Centre that the good people of Mitchellstown are really lucky to have. And that's happening tomorrow night. But best of luck to everybody involved in the conference, but particular good luck to Bill Power with the launch of his book, which I take it. It will be on sale uh, and it probably is already on sale, as they say, from all good uh, bookshops. And I've had a note in asking me to give a mention to Mass and Devotions will be held on Monday night next. That's the 15th of August at the Holy Rosary Shrine on the Lee Road, half past seven. And it will mark the feast day of the Assumption at the Shrine. It's the 50th 
first year of this Mass and devotions. Isn't that incredible? And all are very welcome. That's at the Holy Rosary Shrine on the Lee Road next Monday night. And Helen sent in a text saying, Patricia, would you give a mention to the one final message mentioned to the Doris summer festival that's taking place across this weekend. They have bingo going on tomorrow night, Friday. There'll be busking. There's a treasure trail, novelty races, face painting. So much happening uh, for the adults and for the children. There's going to be street music on Saturday. Sunday is going to have a community market and a barbecue and lots, lots more. So if you're in and around the Doris area, it's going to be a busy weekend this weekend. And by God, have they got wonderful weather for it in Enjoy. 0818103103. Now, some of your commentary and texts and calls coming into the programme is a worrying call that we have just uh, received to the programme from from a lady who said herself and her husband went to the beach yesterday and she why wouldn't you be at the beach yesterday with the wonderful weather that we're having at the moment. They were on Long Strand on the Clonakilty side of Onahinsha. Now she said it was about half six yesterday evening they were lying on the beach you know just soaking up the evening rays and relaxing and really enjoying it when this woman lying lying down with her husband looked up and there was a man she reckoned he was in his mid-50s standing over her. And you can picture the scene. You're lying on the beach and you're just saying, this is just gorgeous. Where else would you want to be but on the beach? And suddenly you're aware that somebody is standing there, maybe slightly blocking out the sunshine. So you open up your eyes and she, she looks up and there's a man in his mid-50s standing over her, completely naked. So she kind of says, oh. And the guy says, sorry, is this a nudist beach? And then he walked away. And uh, she said, but they, they watched him then from, uh, from a sort of a short, so he just kind of wandered off. But then they got the feeling that he was watching them as they were continuing to lie on the beach. Now, this lady, you know, luckily she was with her husband. She wasn't on her own. That could have been quite intimidating if you're lying there, a female on your own, and you look up at somebody standing naked a man standing naked over you can be quite intimidating. Anyway, the woman contacted us because she's just concerned that uh, he may have been watching other people. She's also concerned about, you know, the scenario I painted there of somebody on their own on the beach might have been a bit frightened by it all. And she just wants to warn people to be on the lookout. Now, I was chatting with John Paul when this call came in and he says it's kind of unofficial. There is a section of, he reckons, that particular beach that has been known in the past to be a nudist beach. Now, I don't think we have, and I'll get John Paul to check, but I don't think Cork County Council has designated any beach anywhere throughout Cork. And I could be wrong. I'm open to correction on this. Have the council dedicated any area of any beach in Cork as a nudist beach? And there's nothing wrong with nudist beaches. And if that's your thing, off you go. Personally, I wouldn't be that comfortable with it. I'm not that comfortable in my skin and I'm not that comfortable looking at other people. But, you know, each to their own. But so John Paul reckons there, there over the years there has been a section of this beach. So maybe he, you know, was trying to find the section of the beach that he believes is a nudist beach. But it's rather a strange thing to do. I mean, if you're trying to find a nudist beach, would you not just go and even leave your speedos 
your budgie smugglers just you know even leave your shorts on while you go and approach somebody to say sorry could you tell me is this a nudist beach or if there is a nudist beach around but she just thought it was a bit strange happened yesterday evening at half past six Longstrand uh, on the Clonakilty side of Onahinsha Beach as I say if anybody knows of a nudist beach in the area can you let us know so that we can let this gentleman know that you were in the wrong beach and you should have been somewhere else. 0818-103-103. John was on about gas and electricity bills. And actually, my electricity bill, I got the email yesterday, is is in. And it just struck me. It's, you know, in the summer months, electricity bill traditionally has always gone down. It's as high now as any of my winter bills normally are. So I was just looking at it thinking, God almighty, what are the winter bills going to be like? John said he was reading a piece. This is from from the United Kingdom about their soaring costs of gas and electricity because, of course, it isn't just Ireland. This is happening across the world, but certainly across all European countries. Electricity and gas has gone up and, of course, a lot of it's directly linked to the Russian invasion on the Ukraine. But John says, gas and electricity bills last year in the UK were, on average, £1,950 just under £2,000 It's projected in the UK that those bills are going to rise almost double to £3,500 in October He says in the UK 6 million people owe the energy company 1.4 billion 6 million people are in arrears in the UK are we facing the same crisis in this country says John gas and electricity prices are soaring with more increases on the way I remember reading a report uh, John not so long ago where it was predicted that if you had gas and electricity in your home in this country that we'd be paying about 5,000 euro a year if the prices continue to rise the way they're rising and we all use the same amount of gas and electricity that we've always been using that the projected increases was going to be about €5,000 a year which is a huge, huge sum of money particularly for people that are on fixed uh, incomes. So yeah, it is a massive, massive worry John and a lot of people are very worried about it for sure and that's why I was talking about the budget and the various things that have been suggested and you know I in particular was looking looking at a paper that has been sent to the government it's a Department of Finance tax strategy group where they were looking at things like excise duty on drink and they were looking at taxation but they were also looking at welfare increases and one of the suggestions in this a document on the social welfare budget packages uh, the various options were outlined as to what the government could do and how much it would cost and one of the options was that anyone that's on a social welfare payment like the old age pension, job seekers benefit, widow's pension, disability pension, blind person's pension, whatever it is, that they would go up by 15 euro a week and they gave the breakdown of how much that would uh, cost. And obviously this will be very much tied in with what the government are promising. They're going for an early budget this year and they're going to introduce the increases earlier than they normally do. Normally do, And it's because of cost of living. It's because everything is rising including things like gas and electricity and I mentioned it earlier uh, and that prompted somebody to say I'm giving 15 euro extra and we're not saying that they're going to go with it it's just a suggestion and it is on the table it is up for discussion if they decide to go uh, with it says this texter um, fine I would suggest giving it to old age pensioners and people that genuinely can't work like people who live with a disability but this texter feels if they raise the job seekers allowance and job seekers benefit by 15 euro will this just make 
make young people lazy. Why work if they get money for nothing every week? People on low income never seem to get anything. And again, that I am assuming is tied in with when I mentioned the tax proposals. There are certainly the tax proposals that they're talking about, that, that 30%, it, it will certainly be aimed at the middle and high income earners but the people on just below middle income it certainly won't benefit them so they and and low income earners won't benefit from it uh, for sure anybody under I think it's 38,600 euro which is not a high income and it's just it's not even quite into the middle income so they're going to have to put something else in with those proposals for sure thank you for your text to 086 2103103. We spoke last week about the Eurovision Song Contest and the hopes that could it be possible that the Eurovision Song Contest could come to Belfast now that we know that the UK are going to be hosting the Eurovision Song Contest because obviously with the situation that's going on in Ukraine they're not going to be able to host. Well I read this morning that Belfast City Council have agreed to submit an official bid to host the Eurovision Song Contest for 2023 if the city is shortlisted. And we're going to find out what are the shortlisted cities tomorrow the announcement is said to be made. And then a two-stage process uh, will get underway to select the host city in the UK after it was decided that they would host the BBC, which will broadcast the contest in the UK, will make the selection alongside the event organisers, that's the European Broadcasting Union, and they've specified that the host city will be chosen using a two-stage selection process. And once all the applications have been received, a process will take place whereby cities will be shortlisted and it'll be based on their ability to meet the requirements and the response around capability and their response around experience. And experience, I think, is going to be the big one that they're going to look at what else what else has happened in the various cities and how do they actually uh, host it and I know some of the politicians up north are citing lots and lots of reasons why Belfast should be considered and can see no reason why they shouldn't be considered and you know they cite they've had lots of big events that have happened in the north over the years and particularly in Belfast one of the biggest events from a music point of view was the MTV European Music Awards that was about 10 years ago and that was actually posted in uh, Belfast so they'll use that as an example so we'll wait and see but tomorrow the shortlist comes out and if they're on the shortlist then Belfast City Council certainly say they're up for it and they will submit an official bid we wish them luck it would be great it would be absolutely great if we had it on this island of Ireland Eurovision is coming home The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie the Aha Kishta Fado exhibition. Now, this is an exhibition of old photographs uh, of Aha Kishta. Will continue to be open to the public every Saturday and uh, Sunday throughout the month of August. It's two to five in the afternoon. It's at the cabin Aha Kishta, which is located beside a Rundles bar. The exhibition was curated by the Akishta Community Association. It's part of their festival this year and I'm told it is well worth a visit. And an exhibition entitled Souls of Our Shoes is on in the West Wing of the Carrick Centre in Ballincollig. That's also running throughout this month. It aims to highlight the stories of people who've experienced physical or emotional abuse and the doors are open daily from 10am to 4pm. 
And the next draw for the Kildallery Community Lottery will take place in the community office this afternoon at four. They've got a jackpot of €4,700 and tickets are still on sale in advance of the draw this afternoon at all of the usual outlets and mass in Aglish Cemetery in Donnerill. That's happening tonight at eight o'clock. While Ballon Hassock Community Development Association, they're holding a Cayley in the Marion Hall tomorrow night. Music is by Michael Sexton. Dancing is from 9.30 to 12.30. Admission is €10 Euro, and that does include tea. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Your calls coming into the programme. I mentioned uh, electricity and gas prices uh, rising and how any, uh, any household that has electricity and gas for heating uh, will start to see uh, huge increases. And of course, if you don't have gas, you might have uh, home heating oil instead. We all know how that has increased in price, almost doubled, didn't it, at one stage, to fill a tank of home heating oil. Eddie has said, with petrol and diesel starting to decrease at the petrol pumps, are you starting to notice that? I certainly am. Eddie is wondering, is home heating oil on the decrease? And I have no way of knowing, because Eddie said if it is, it might be for some people if they've their their money away ready to buy their home heating oil it might be worth purchasing it now before it goes up again and I simply don't know the answer to it because I suppose home heating oil and a fill of home heating oil is probably the furthest thing on people's mind with the wonderful weather we're experiencing at the moment but if anybody can let us know has anybody recently inquired about home heating oil with petrol and diesel decreasing is now a good time to be buying it if anybody can fill us in on that please uh, do I mentioned those gorgeous sunflowers from West Cork uh, earlier on that I know John Paul we're trying to see if we can get somebody on uh, about it it's just a field of their near skull it looks absolutely gorgeous and there's, they're going to be sold as a fundraiser for the people of Ukraine Dan in Mallow says there's a beautiful field of sunflowers near Lombardstown Cross he said they're absolutely beautiful and they're stunning and I'd say to get out and to, uh, I don't know if you're allowed into that field or not but to get photographs anybody who's anywhere near a field of sunflowers with the permission of the owner getting photographs with the blue skies would be just stunning for sure 0818 103 103 I mentioned that nudist well I, was, well, I did mention a nudist speech the woman who got a bit of a fright herself and her husband with a man standing over them while they were enjoying the evening sunshine at half six yesterday and he was naked wondering is this the naked beach uh, and it's on Longstrand on the Clonakilty side of Ona Hincha and John Paul says he his un- local knowledge of the area is there is a section of that beach that traditionally has been set aside as a nudist beach. Don't know if it's official or unofficial, but that some people local knowledge reckon you know that it is a nudist beach. Somebody was on to say, yeah, I agree with John Paul. To the best of my knowledge, there is a section of that beach that is a nudist beach. The very same thing happened to my husband that your caller outlined on the very same beach, and it was a big shock at the time. I suppose yeah, it's the last thing you are expecting if you are out you know, enjoying the sunshine and to see somebody naked. As I say, nothing against nudist beaches 
at all. Absolutely nothing against it. But it's just a shock if you're not expecting somebody to arrive naked in front of you. Uh, 0862103103. Keep your texts coming in. I can see pet questions coming in for Jane Pickett. Keep those coming because she'll be joining us in a couple of minutes. And then a listener was on to us earlier and apologies. I'm only getting around to this now. This is to do with uh, teachers and listening to a piece that Barry had on the news earlier. Patricia, here we go again. Our teachers are, are, are at it again. Now this is going to raise the shackles of any teachers listening. They are off work and paid all summer and they were paid during COVID times. And now they're talking about going out on strike. They never seem to be happy and they work some of the shortest hours of any profession. So somebody not happy with teachers. And yeah, Barry, I think, mentioned it earlier on in the news and the the government certainly is going to face a lot of pressure from public servants. They're all looking for pay increases and of course included in the list of public servants are our teachers. All of the teachers unions are out on this one. The INTO, that's the National Teachers Organisation, they've given the go ahead for a ballot early next week if the government fails to make what they are saying is a meaningful offer. Then you've got the secondary school teachers, the ASTI. They yesterday decided to ballot members in September on the issue and the TUI, the Teachers Union of Ireland, they're expected to follow suit at a meeting uh, today and uh, the TUI says it is expected that we will ballot members in September on either a revised pay offer are on a coordinated public service campaign which will be designed to achieve the offer that we want. And of course the teachers union certainly are not alone. All of the previous unions are preparing for ballots on pay demands uh, an increase to combat the spiralling inflation through review of the terms of their current pay agreement. If they do not get an acceptable offer the unions say there will be this coordinated uh, campaign across all of the public servants. Now at the end of June the government did make an offer. They offered an additional 2.5% for the whole of last year and this year uh, while inflation over that period was more than 10% and that's what all of the unions are, are pointing, out, pointing out. Now that offer of course was rejected by the by the unions and since June of this year there's been no movement since. Now the two sides are due to go back into talks uh, later on this month at the Workplace Relations Commission and an outcome of those negotiations the negotiations obviously will be key. Unions will either be balloting members on a revised pay offer or they will ballot members on industrial action if they're not happy with the revised pay uh, offer. The AASTI um, say that they, along with all of the other public sector workers, are trying to cope with hefty cost of living increases and a significant improvement in pay they say is essential in order to help them offset spiralling costs. They say very disappointing that the government is showing such scant regard for public servants in light of all that they've contributed at the height of the pandemic. The government, they say, must return to the Work Relations Commission with a credible proposal. And then the primary school teachers, their president is John uh, O'Driscoll, a Corkman. He said any ballot for industrial action 
will be preceded by a two-week consultation process with members and then a full ballot will take place. He said the pay rise was essential in light of skyrocketing inflation and the cost of living crisis for five long months soaring inflation. He says has decimated workers' take-home pay and that includes the take-home pay of teachers. He says teachers have waited patiently for their employer their employer is the government to take steps to try to address this enormous financial pressure that they are facing. The INTO president described the offer made in June as tokenism and he's critical of the government's failure to engage. Uh, John O'Driscoll said the INTO was profoundly disappointed that the talks process had stalled. He said a decision to ballot members to seek a mandate for industrial action was never, ever taken lightly but it will certainly when I heard it earlier this morning I was just thinking of parents who are already struggling with their own back to school uh, costs Uh, and if they're working parents the summer can be a long long period of time trying to get childcare cover and if we get into a, a position where the public servants and the teachers decide to go on strike working parents uh, really feel the brunt of that. So we'll follow this one closely for sure but it does look like the teachers along with the other different public service unions are, are, are quite adamant that they need pay increases and if the government doesn't up the offer that's on the table then we could certainly be heading into a winter of a lot of strike action. 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862-103. 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. After the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where Jane Pickett, our resident vet, joins us on this very warm and sunny Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. Are you a fan of the warm weather? Oh, you know, I am. I yeah. must admit. Yeah. I think for the little bit of it that we get in this country every year, I usually bask and enjoy it. Yeah. But I suppose it is one of those times of times of years where the heat really um, takes off and we need to be very mindful of our pets in this hot weather as well. So just making sure they have lots of shade, lots of access to water um, and not out in the sun during the hot periods of the day, kind of from midday to three o'clock, walk them either early in the morning or later on in the evening. Yeah, and I mean, I was only, I, I was only thinking uh, last month when we had that other short, very short spell of uh, warm weather and we had one of our listeners who unfortunately lost a much-loved dog. They thought they were doing everything right, left the dog alone for a period of time during the midday sun. It's, uh, um, it had died by the time they came back. So it, heat stroke can hit very quickly, it seems. It can hit very, very quickly. I think most dogs, when let's say they're around at home, as long as they have access to a good amount of shade or not kind of taken out during the hot part of the day and have plenty of access to water, most will be fine. The breeds that we really need to watch out for are those with kind of the flatter faces, so brachycephalic dogs. They'd be breeds like bulldogs, Frenchies, for example. They really struggle in the heat because the dog's main way of getting rid of heat is by panting. Um, So they can't sweat in the same way that we do. And obviously those little dogs with the short faces, they struggle with their breathing somewhat, so they don't cope so well in hot weather. And similarly, patients with heart disease, they're one we'd really want to watch out for. But it can escalate very, very quickly. 
as I say, most dogs would be normal as long as they're allowed shade and water. But in a hot car, for example, or a hot conservatory, they're really, really dangerous areas to have your pet in in this kind of weather because temperature, if they're locked in there, can escalate within a period of minutes. It can become intolerably hot. And once once a pet is left in a hot environment for more than a few minutes, if they can't expel enough heat and they can't escape the heat, they will begin to suffer signs of heat stroke so it's really really important to be careful to keep your pet cool so i think the main signs i'd look out for of heat stroke in this hot weather will be um struggling to breathe excessive panting and distress sometimes quite a lot of disorientation things like vomiting and in some cases even things like seizures they will be the very end stage of things the main thing i would say is if you're in doubt about your pet if you feel that they seem distressed unsettled every dog is going to pant in hot weather so it is a bit of a gray area are they panting because they're blowing off heat or are they panting because they have heat stroke generally a pet with heat stroke will appear somewhat distressed um and obviously they'll have kind of a consistent history of being in a hot place for a period of time so if in doubt take them to the vet you might read online about ways of treating heat stroke at home i know there's some interesting ideas on that going around this year and what i would say is that there is no way of treating heat stroke at home you need to bring your pet to the vet home remedies i know of one that's going around on the internet at the moment about lemon juice heating heating treating heat stroke it's never going to work it's it has no scientific basis so you really need to make sure you take your pet to the vet if you are concerned that it may have heat stroke for treatment okay lorraine has been on to say her five-year-old cat is basking in the garden every day she says anytime i try and move her into a shaded area as soon as i turn my back she's back out lying in the sun she absolutely adores it should i be concerned Mm, this is difficult. So cats are, it's a really great point as well. Cats are a lot more difficult to manage in this weather than dogs and the signs that cats may have of heat stroke are a lot more subtle as well. They can be also kind of disorientated, a little bit stressed. Panting um, is, a, is a very worrying sign in a cat and should never be seen. So if you do see a cat panting, they need to go straight to the vet. Um, it is maybe a cause for concern, but it does sound like you're managing well. You're being mindful of the fact that they are basking and trying to offer them shade and access to the indoors. I think with a cat, cats are stubborn. They ha- they know their own minds. That's pretty much the best you can do by locking them inside. And in this beautiful weather, they may want to bask for a little bit. I think I would be mindful of maybe trying to restrict their access to the outdoors during the really hot period of the day, so 12 to 3 o'clock. But other than that, as long as they have access to shade in the indoors, they're probably regulating their temperature okay and you know they'll, they'll move if they if they want to but some cats can bask a little bit too much and can suffer from heat stroke so I think you're doing a great job being mindful of it and maybe just restrict access during the, the hottest part of the day Okay and then PJ noticed that his, cat, his dog was refusing to drink water yesterday and he said when I put my finger into the water I realised it was slightly tepid uh, as soon as mm-hmm. I gave him cold water he lapped it up yeah, it's very much like ourselves. I know drinking kind of lukewarm or hot water is never a pleasant experience. I expect it's probably the same for dogs and cats. Um, so I think keeping kind of cool water is a really good thing to have around because that kind of entices them to drink. It's it's very much like ourselves. A nice cool glass of water is much more enticing than a tepid lukewarm one. So that's a good thing to do. If it is getting really hot these days, some tricks you can use are putting ice cubes into the water. Ice cubes are not harmful for dogs and cats. 
Um, as long as they're not swallowed whole, of course, that's not great for anyone, um, humans or dogs included. But if you put some, let's say, um, small ice cubes or crushed ice into a water bowl to keep it a little bit cooler for a little bit longer, that's mm. not harmful for your pets as well. It might be a handy trick. Well, yeah, but it's unusual. <laughs> the dog didn't like the lukewarm water, which is, yeah, mm. as you say, it's understandable. <laughs> OK, other questions in. And Anne wants to know, is it OK to give a dog a paracetamol, a human paracetamol? Oh, Paracetamol is sometimes used medically um, by vets for dogs for certain types of pain, particularly orthopedic pain. So that would be bone and joint pain. Now, what I will say is paracetamol in itself is not a bad thing to give to a dog or cat. I sometimes or or to give to a dog. We should never give paracetamol to cats because cats cannot metabolize paracetamol and it's actually poisonous to them. So whatever you do, don't give paracetamol to a cat. But in dogs, it is safe. What I will say is that you should only be doing it under the direction of a vet. Giving medications at home to your pet is, you know, filled with danger, particularly regarding the dosing of it. So paracetamol tablets for humans are generally one size fits all. But with dogs, there's actually a really quite tight dosing range. So you would need to know the weight of your pet and the appropriate dose. And the only person that can really calculate that for you is a vet. So if you're concerned that your pet is painful, it's best to kind of raise that with your vet. There may be other medications that, depending on the type of pain your pet is experiencing, um, they may recommend other medications for your dog that would manage pain, potentially better than paracetamol. Um, But what I will say is I'd warn against kind of home treatment of pain in dogs and cats. Um, I would advise visiting your vet. And as I say, I reiterate again, never give a cat paracetamol. Okay. okay. Um, Pat is on saying, um, hi Jane, I have an 11 year old dog recently diagnosed with epilepsy and the dog has been put on medication for treating same. Now, prior to the diagnosis of epilepsy and prior to going on this medication, the dog was eating fine, but now he's eating very little. Could it be linked to the medication? Any suggestion, please? Okay, so I'm sorry to hear that your your dog has been unwell. Epilepsy can be a really scary thing to have in the home as an owner because obviously we never like to see our pets distressed or seizuring, um, but it is something that can be managed in many cases with medication. So I am uncertain what medication he's on. So there's a number of medications that can be used to treat epilepsy. Now, some of those will probably have very little bearing on the appetite, but others can cause a degree of almost sedation that might reduce their appetite. So it is possible it could be linked to the medication. I think there are a number of other causes of reduced appetite or inappetence in dogs that might be entirely separate from their seizure problem. So it's really important that that's a change for your pet. And as I always say, any change for your pet is something that needs to be investigated. So the vet that's managing your pet's epilepsy, let them know that they've no- that you've noticed a reduction in appetite, that you're concerned and that that's a change for your pet. And if it is linked to the medication, they might try changing the medication or dose reduction. And as I say, without knowing more clinical details of the case, I, you know, I couldn't comment any further on that. But what I will say is, is that regardless of the underlying cause, it needs to be raised with your vet because if it's a change for your pet, it's a signal that something is going on. And it may be the medication or it may be something else. Yeah, because sometimes with humans, the medication, while it might solve what you're taking it for but it can mm-hmm. upset you in, in other ways as well exactly. um, Hi Jane my six month old puppy will come when called so the puppy knows his or her name I've even taught her touch meaning put she puts her nose into my hand so she's a bright little thing but if we're about to leave somewhere no way would she come to me even if I've got treats in my hand she'll come to a certain point where she knows I will not be able to catch her I'm lost with what to do Never had this problem with my other dog who is now four years old. So it's obviously when they're out and about, it's time to go home. 
the dog, the little puppy just doesn't want the fun to end is what it sounds like. Well, how do you get around that? Yeah, that's a really tough one. I'd say, first of all, really, really well done on getting going with that training. A solid base of training and communication between dog and owner is really essential for them to have a long kind of, you know, good, stress-free, relaxed life with yourself and be able to kind of cope with a lot of situations and have a good behavioral pattern. So really well done on getting going at that. It sounds like you're putting in a lot of the groundwork, um, really reinforcing that kind of come and um, then they get they get a little treat. So really reinforcing that kind of recall behavior in a normal, let's say, non-challenging setting. So at home, it sounds like you're doing that and it's going well. But when they're taken into a setting where there's all these exciting things, they have so many other drivers there that they want to explore. They want to enjoy the fun and they don't want the fun to end. What I would suggest is maybe try reinforcing the recall behavior. So getting them to come back to you a lot when you're out on walks. So not just when you're about to leave, recall them every 30, 30 seconds, a minute and bring a really high value treat with you. So don't just bring maybe this, the, the slightly boring training treats you might use at home. Bring something really exciting that they might not get any other time. And it's a super tasty treat, like a little bit of ham or chicken so that you know it's reliable and they really want that. And they might even want that treat more than they want to stay in that place and play around and sniff all the new new environment. So you need to have something super exciting to really try and entice them back. It sounds like you're on the right road. I'm sure you'll get there. It's just really getting them into the habit of recall and making sure you have something super enticing so that it's a high value reward for them. Okay, keep, I'm sure you'll keep, get there. Keep doing what you're doing. And I find one from Breda who has a little kitten, uh, about eight or nine weeks old. Could you talk about vaccinations and what vaccinations does the kitten need? Okay, so vaccinations are super, super important. They're an absolute essential um, for cats and for dogs for kittens they can be vaccinated from about eight nine weeks of age now i say eight or nine it's important to check with your local vet because it does depend a little bit on what vaccine brand they carry as to what age they're allowed to start it from so eight or nine weeks and then they'll need a second vaccination usually three to four weeks later now if your kitten is older than that and they haven't had their first vaccinations yet that's still absolutely fine you know better late than never it's always a good time to start but that's the earliest it can be done Okay. Now, there's a number of different vaccinations you could do. The main ones that you always have to get done are for cat flu and for enteritis. So there's a core vaccination that covers that. And additionally, if your cat has any access to other cats or the outdoors, I would always recommend getting them vaccinated for um, feline leukemia virus, so FELV, because it is something that is transmitted by contact with other cats fighting, for example. Um, so if your pet is anything but 100% indoors, they need to have that on board as well. Most vaccinations will come as a combination. So it doesn't mean multiple needles for your pet usually. It's just the choice of what to vaccinate for. I think without knowing your kind of situation and what the cat's plan for being indoors, outdoors, or a bit of both is, advising you exactly what to use is a bit difficult. What I'd say is, you know, raise it with your vet. Let them know about your cat's kind of intended lifestyle and they'll be able to advise you on what vaccination is. Vaccination is a must for sure. Okay, mm-hmm. we we'll leave it there. Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of the sunny weather, Jane, and we'll chat next Thursday. You too. Thanks a million. Uh, Jane Pickett, the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital, uh, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Just a couple of quick texts and calls in. There's a field of sunflowers on the main Mallow Killarney Road. It is near Murphy's Filling Station. Somebody is saying thank you for that. And someone else, Danny Mallow, says there's a beautiful field of sunflowers near Lombardstown Cross. They are stunning. On home heating oil, Marion said, I got home heating oil 98 centilitre in March 
average last week it was 129 a litre and Marion it went even higher than that so it is on the way down for sure on the public servants along with the teachers uh, Jim in Clannacilty said here we go again democracy is all about pressure groups they'll get their own way because they'll be able to put pressure on the government and to people in Fremont we've had a number of calls uh, about no water there are two issues in the area first is a burst water main that's due to be repaired by four o'clock today and there's also uh, another issue that's going on that Irish Water are investigating but that's for people without water in the Fremont area Irish Water aware of what's going on That's why I leave you for today thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you uh, for the afternoon have a great afternoon. Enjoy the sunshine and look after yourself. today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.